this is Lake Coleman, which I'm going to use Kid Guru. It's my first video <laughs> using the new Cam Studio 2.5 Beta. 2.5 Beta. Yeah, that's how we're going to get old. Hey, ladies and gentlemen of the internet, Adrian here for the Transparency Podcast. And that audio in the background was um, actually me in 2007, September 26, 2007 to be exact. I was um, about 11 years old at the time. And today's podcast, I want to center around a simple yet uh, all-encompassing question, and that being um, you know, what I do for a living. I think it's one of the most common questions uh, in my tenure of the internet, um, you know, that I just get in general and, and, and it's understanding like why it can be so complex and yet, uh, so simple at the same time. And it's like a funny question because like, it's one of those questions, like anytime you meet somebody new or you're socializing in a new friend group or whatever, whatever it may be, it's one of those questions like school or what have you that tends to come around, like what you do for a living. Um, and I want this to kind of be like my de facto or like my go-to, um, what do you call that, um, resource on the, on the topic, just so I don't have to like always answer something I can always just link to, always reference. Um, and I kind of look at like where I got started, what I've done, and what I'm doing in a more really like in-depth look at it all. Um, and also if just kind of just kind of helps anybody along the way to kind of see the trajectory of how everything started, because believe it or not, it was not overnight. And that video, like I said, back in 2007, um, was like the kind of catalyst that, that started it all. And actually it goes back to 2006 because that video was just uploaded in 07, but a lot of this really goes back to 06 when the account was created and, and everything that kind of resulted because of that. So again, I look at what I've done, where I came from, and, and essentially what I'm doing nowadays, and, and just an all-encompassing look at what I do for a living, so to speak. It's funny because growing up, I was always so set in, in, in like whatever I was interested in, and, and that's always the type of person I've been as far as I can remember. Just like if I was to get into something, I was always all in, whether it was like a hobby or an interest. Um, I was just always all in on things. And as far as like work and career go goes, you know, I had those jobs and I had those like ideal careers that I wanted, as any kid does. Um, you know, for me, I remember like as early as I could remember as like a police officer <laughs> is what I was interested in. And, you know, this is like typical like you growing up and, and having a, a dream career. Um, but then the real big ones were like <laughs> president of the United States. I was so infatuated with U.S. history and just history in general and the president's. Um, as a result of me waiting for my mom to like get ready all the time when I was a kid. And one of the things I had, because I was like a huge reader, was this bookmark with all the, um, at the time, like 42 presidents on it, or 40, 42. Um, and essentially just remembering the order of the presidents and, and even not knowing the background of who they were and essentially what that role meant, it, it led me down this kind of, um, you know, rabbit hole of, of learning all about, you know, Washington, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, and, and, and the political history behind all those people, which led me to eventually, like, I remember writing an inauguration speech on a legal notepad, thinking I was going to become eventually one day the president of the United States. Um, those dreams quickly uh, <laughs> were um, replaced with that of an NBA basketball player. 
because I had an infatuation with the Los Angeles Lakers with Kobe Bryant. And and of course, like I said, anytime I get into something, it's just a deep dive in things. And, and the reason I tell this, because it does kind of come full circle in a sense, um, you know, that was like my dream to be a basketball player. And, and when that's like something that, you know, was more like it got me outdoors, it got me like physically active as a, as a child, uh, quickly, you know, you, you don't have that, you're naive at that age, right? I'm like, nine ten at the time you don't have this like ideal view of the world in the sense that you can really do anything that you want and you truly believe in that and it's not a question of like <laughs> you do have the physical attributes or what have you um anyhow um around this time i was in california i, I grew up in a military family so i bounced around a lot but we were in california for a little bit over a year and we were moving back to where i was born in okinawa japan and I remember in moving back, um, you know, the dreams of the basketball career were still huge and alive. And it just so happened I moved right behind, like my backyard was the school I was going to attend and there was a basketball court right there. Um, I remember going out every day and just, and just kind of playing. Uh, but at the same time in moving a lot and, and growing up in that lifestyle, the thing that happened would be that, you know, you, you were friends with people for a couple of years and then you kind of shifted it and you're used to that being the military lifestyle. So one of the big getaways for me and in a way to even stay in communication with my friends back stateside was gaming. At the time, it was this game by the name of World of Warcraft. Um, and that was like my way into the world of like technology, which obviously kind of comes full circle. Um, I signed up for a YouTube account when I moved to back to Tokyo, Japan in 2006 by the name of Laker Cool Man. Back here, you just have to like pick a username. And mind you, I'm, I'm 11 at this time, right? I've explained the story before, but essentially Lakers were my favorite team. I evidently thought I was cool. And I thought by putting man at the time, like, oh, I can have this YouTube account forever. And it'd be, you know, timeless <laughs> in a sense. Um, so that's 2006. I moved back to Okinawa, Japan and at one point i don't know what even caused it but my computer breaks essentially like the desktop computer it was the first time in moving back that i got like a computer to myself i always used computers that were like hand-me-downs or a computer that was like essentially like in the, the family room or the loft this is the first time i had a computer in my own personal room at 11 and um it was like a compact presario desktop i remember <laughs> vividly and it just lost power one day like it, it wouldn't start there was like issues if it would start and, like, it occurred to me that, like, I never really knew how this thing worked. This thing that I, I relied on heavily to communicate with my friends back in California, um, to access the internet and kind of just be, like, a getaway for me, like, just because, again, moving so much all the time and, and all that and having to settle in, in a new place, even though I was born there, um, I never really, like, took the time to understand it and, and and for whatever reason i did like a deep dive into this world that was like technology and electronics and computers um i used like another computer in the house to research like why it might be broken and the symptoms essentially and you know it came to terms that it, it was like a power supply issue which is essentially is the thing that powers your your desktop computer um we pulled another one from another desktop we had in the house um, not even knowing necessarily like, if that was compatible because there's a whole bunch of things that go into that, but eventually the end moral of the story is that I got it working and, and like it piqued my interest so much. And it was like the fundamental shift I can remember from like wanting to be a basketball or a president to a basketball player to like being infatuated with this idea of like technology and computers. And I mean like generally like curious, like a general curiosity of how this thing works, why it's like that 
and it was like the coolest and, and the best feeling to get it to be like working again right i remember how nervous i was even like tinkering in the computer afraid that like i might shock myself to death or something um and when it got it working it was just like this like I want to know more. I want to learn more. I Googled the top 10 most common computer problems just to kind of like research them and like there were solutions to them. And I just thought, you know what, like it's crazy because like there's probably other people out here like this who who have no idea and, and want to learn or, or need help. And at the time, like I said, I signed up to YouTube more so just to watch videos and then have an account. It wasn't with the intention of creating content. Um, but I got down this rabbit hole of content. Like I said, learning about computers. I remember finding one of the first channels I become, became obsessed with. And as a user by the name of Jimmy R. Com, he made these computer tutorials. And like, I just got lost in all these things, learning about stuff I didn't have, learning about like hardware I didn't have, learning about software I didn't have, learning all about the history of like computers and Macs and Apple and Microsoft with PCs and Windows. Again, all in as I as I typically was with things that I was interested in and this is like 2006 so the YouTube channel eventually launched in you know like I said in 2007 as far as like creating the content goes um I had a couple of videos like prior to 2000 to the, this video that I just played earlier that I was listening to um that just like were private or like somehow have fallen off the face of the internet so like in 2006 I started uploading videos with a $20 webcam that I bought like literally I used the allowance I had at the time, which $20 was a fortune to me at the time. And then I learned about like how you can record your screen. And and, and again, I, I apply that same mentality. I took those 10 top computer problems people had. And I started making videos related to that. I started making videos on how to tweak your PC, how to make it faster, how to upgrade hardware, um, how to get the most out of certain software. And, and at the time, like back then, a lot of it was just, I would learn something and I would make a video on it. It, it was it was taking from the peers and the others around me in the community at the time, which, again, YouTube in 2006 was fresh off the purchase by Google. Google had just acquired YouTube, and it was just becoming this dominant force that it is today. Like, it, it wasn't a huge thing back then, um, but I remember, like, even more so... Uh, the tutorial space, right? Like the learning and education space was not big at all. So my like entry into science and technology and back then YouTube categorized you by country. So I was in Japan living overseas. Um, it boosted me in terms of like my channel and my visibility. Um, a couple videos turned into, you know, hundreds of views and then thousands of views. And over that 2006, 2007 year, my channel just kind of blew up like it, it just kind of hit this um point where it's like i was like the 10th most viewed in japan in science and technology up and up and up and i think around 2008 was kind of like the peak year where everything really just kind of hit off for me in terms of like my career uh the start of my career i guess so to speak because at that point i had just been doing it for like a hobby over the last year um in 2008 I was the second most viewed in Japan in science and technology behind the JAXA space station. It's the Japanese like equivalent of NASA. Um, this kid in his bedroom talking about technology. Um, I was starting to review hardware. I was starting to talk about things I bought. And even back then, it occurred to me that like I can buy things and talk about them and buy things and talk about like it, There wasn't this instance of like, I'm going to make money off this. Like that wasn't even a thought in my head because it wasn't until 2008 where I even got the opportunity to join what was called the YouTube partner program. And it was like this prestigious thing back then because um, back in 08, 
um, one, it allowed you to make money by putting ads on your videos, which was like a huge thing. Two, it allowed you to surpass what was the 10 minute and 59 second video limit. Back in 08, YouTube had a limit on your videos. It couldn't be longer than 10 minutes and 59 seconds. And there was like a trick everybody would do where they would end the video at 10.59 and then you would have to upload your video in parts if it was longer than that. Um, so you can only imagine like that uh, you got access just to cooler features like on, on your channel if you're a partner. So it was just a kind of like badge of honor at 11 uh, or like, sorry, you know, 12, 13 to, to get a YouTube partnership and to get accepted into the program. To be honest, I don't even think legally I was allowed to be in the program only because I wasn't of age, so to speak, when I applied for it. Um, but I applied just thinking, you know, why not? And it is almost like the equivalent of like when you click on like a credit score thing or you apply for something online and you're like, oh shit, like you're about to find out in like 10 seconds if you got in or not. And I was ecstatic. I like I visibly remember like how excited I was. Hey guys, Kid Gear here. I am now an official YouTube partner. Awesome guys. And like it's crazy because now this opened this whole other door to me, right? I started this series called like Tech World is what I branded my YouTube channel. Um, kind of getting away from the whole like Laker Coleman identity. Tech World was like this place for tech tutorials and just sharing my interest and passion in technology um however tech world wasn't available because it's such a generic domain i bought the domain adrianstech.com and the site would basically consisted of like my live stream at the time live streaming was just taking off um i tried to live stream as often as i could and, and my live stream was literally just me in my room watching videos learning making content and then answering people's questions about like it in my chat room so it was like this live streaming it support chat room um that first website was actually made by a viewer of my content by the username we493 huge shout out to josh um because i ended up working with him for years on end on, on multiple projects but he reached out to me as a viewer he helped me br um, bring adrianstech.com to life and like the ball just kind of got rolling from here. Our views shot up. We got thousands and thousands of subscribers slowly, um, thousands and thousands of views and eventually hundreds of thousands to millions of views in like that kind of year, you know, span. Um, and at that same time, around like 12, 13, um, a representative from Intel reached out to me by the name of, I still remember the name because I kept the business card a long time ago, Rao Kishore. So Rao, if you, I don't know if you were ever listening to this some way, somehow, um, a huge thank you because this person somehow was like running around the internet, found this video that I did. What I used to do is I used to look up like the latest news and tech. And basically the idea back then was like to get more views was like any story that came out that was like somewhat big, whether it was like a new iPhone or a new product being announced, I immediately ran and did a video on, like right away. And basically I was just regurgitating the story, but the idea would be that I would rank number one on those stories on YouTube. Um, I did a video on Intel releasing what was called a SSD or a solid state drive for the non-technical folks out there. It just is, a, back then it was like this crazy, amazing, fast hard drive. And it was only 80 gigs. So like back then, 80 gigs was like a decent amount. And it was just super fast for what it was. Nowadays, your phones, um, your iPhones and stuff like that, they have this storage built in and it's much more faster and much more bigger. But back then, this was a hard drive for computers, for laptops and desktops. Um, I did this video and like two weeks after I did the video, this person reached out to me from Intel, essentially saying, hey, we would love to send you a hard drive for you to check out. You got to understand, I had 
no idea. Like, I don't know how to handle PR. I don't know how to handle like this as a business because I wasn't even looking at it as a business back then. It was just this thing I was having so much fun doing. And I was like, yeah, like I'll take a free at the time. It was like a $600, $700 hard drive. That was like, might as well have been a million dollars to me. Like I was holding this thing that they shipped out. That was like a million. It felt like it was like a million bucks. I didn't even know like from a reviewer's perspective, what I was doing from even a technical perspective. I, I, the video is up there on the internet. So like I'm, it's funny cause I'm embarrassed by like going back now and watching it. I want to give a shout out to Raul Kishore, the product line manager at Intel for sending me a review unit of the Intel SSD 80 gigabyte solid state drive. So guys, I wrote a blog post on this. Um, I didn't know everything I was talking about. I, I was just like so ecstatic to do it. And like, I didn't do the product justice. But at the same time, it, it, it's what's springboarding me, right? Like, it, it kind of flipped the switch that, like, this is something I can do, uh, not just as a hobby, but as a sort of, like, side income or a hustle. Um, I, I started reaching out to companies to review products. Companies started contacting me as I became more and more public on the platform. Um, we were getting paid through YouTube, and then we were getting paid from advertisers is the way it worked, essentially. And that's kind of the start of everything in, in the content creation business. You know, like when, when when people ask me what I define myself at, what, what I call myself, it's it's funny because it's, it's hard, right? Like I've gone by content creator. I've gone by YouTube. It's, you know, prior to moving to San Francisco in the Bay Area, like entrepreneur was like this like coveted title but here it's just like yeah everybody's an entrepreneur right like everybody it's just like how everybody now uh in la is like an actor or waitress trying to be an actor type thing like i feel like everybody here is like trying to be an entrepreneur so like you know at the end of the day i like to say i'm a creator i'm a storyteller content creation is where i got my background i just filed taxes i file as self-employed so like it's what i identify myself with as across all you know formats i guess um but yeah in no way that's really the year that popped off for me and i'm like 13 at the time right or like roughly around that age um i partner with all these other sites i'm starting to get these big sponsorships at the time which are like i say big with the time they're paying me like 100 bucks here and there and i'm starting to make more and more money but again at that age it's the world to you right um and that just grows. Uh, a couple snags along the way, right? Like that YouTube partnership that I gained in 08, a year or so later, I lost it due to like invalid click is what they call it. Essentially, I was going against its terms of service, not knowingly, like at the time, I'm this kid who doesn't really know all, like I don't read terms of service. I mean, hell, I'm fucking 24 now and I don't even read terms of service um, fully. But like at the time on my live stream, I had this thing where I would like say, like, you know, if you want to support, like, click on the ads and, and check out, you know, basically like click on the ads to support the channel, but you can't like direct people to do that essentially. And, and I was violation, violating my terms of service. I know that now. So like, you know, no um, hard feelings. And, and if it wasn't for losing that partnership, it really wouldn't enable my entrepreneurship mind in, in the sense that like, I realized at a very early age, like I guess at 13, 14, that I couldn't rely solely on this one platform. If if I did want to be a quote unquote business, I couldn't put all my eggs in one basket. And and when I lost a partnership, it was devastating, and I kind of like lost all hope. But then I I really went all in on my strengths. I, I really went all in on directing people to my website, putting ads there, selling sponsorships, getting independent sponsorships outside of YouTube. YouTube just became the funnel. YouTube was like the gateway 
um, to get people interested in me and who I was and my content. And then I would funnel them into my site, into my live stream, so on and so forth. Um, kind of fast forwarding over those years into like 09, 2010 and all that. Um, right before 2010, I had the offer from a, this is right when I'm like, I think roughly going into high school, if I'm not mistaken. Um, as far as the timeline goes, I had a website reach out to me wanting to buy the, what you, what you call the intellectual property, um, to a series of my videos. So I had done at the time a, a series of like windows based tutorials on how to do this and do that. And they just wanted a whole series of windows based tutorials. And they, they essentially contracted me to do some videos. Um, it was an education site that doesn't even exist nowadays. Um, um, and they bought out some of the rights to those videos. I, I sold essentially videos, um, for a sizable amount of money. I mean, at the time you understand I had a PayPal account, I had a bank account, um, that at the time, again, signing up at that age, one, like you need like parental consent <laughs> to open these things or like, basically you were saying you're 18 when you weren't. Um, I had to have my mom like link and, 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 sort out my PayPal to a joint account with her just so I could receive money. And at the time, like my parents just thought like I was this kid screwing around on the internet and on my computer and like talking to like imaginary people. Rightfully so, right? Like a lot of people, even like people I consider my friends thought it was weird, thought it was crazy, thought like I'm exposing myself on this thing called, you know, the internet. And in the sense that like, I'm like uploading these videos and I'm being like very like public of, of, of a persona in a sense and like back then the internet wasn't obviously what it is today like it, it was obviously a thing but in the sense that like this notion of privacy and and this putting yourself out there wasn't as common as it is today with like social media for example so for them to like see that like i have this paypal account and I'm, I'm like making thousands of dollars and, and selling videos was like ridiculous right <laughs> um but that's where like the real entrepreneurial thing started because like that's where I was making a, like a, an income, a living off of essentially at the time um, off of this thing and, and selling those those videos. Um, and like right before 2010, mind you, in this time span and even after 2010, there was a series of projects I, I did along the way. So like my focus was doing these technology tutorials, reviewing laptops, reviewing headphones, keyboards, mice, like you name it. That was our, my, like my bread and butter, right? My YouTube videos and then the content I was doing, like a blog at the time. Um, but there was other projects that I, I always want to talk about. And I always like mentioning in this journey because like you got to understand there was like failures in between here too, right? Like I was riding the wave of having so much attention and publicity in a sense that like I, I thought anything I can do, um, I can kind of speed up the success of it because I had this audience already. So right before 2010 and, and around the same time, I, I launched other projects. I worked on a thing called Wii URL with a friend and that was like a URL shortener. That wasn't necessarily for profit. Um, I, I wanted to do this thing called techworld.org, thetechworld.org, which was like a, a news, um, basically it would pull from all the, the tech news sites and just congregate them, similar to what like tech meme is today. Um, I had an idea for something called Smarter Media, which was like supposed to revolutionize like educational content online. That's my idea of it. And I just never like saw the light of day. Um, we even at one point, I don't, I can't remember the years of this. I should have like dug up the video and I'm sure I can do this in post. Um, but made a site called tutgeek.com. And this is like one of the projects I personally wish 
um, we would have stuck with my, myself, um, working along with other colleagues I had met through YouTube, like Josh and, and Duncan and stuff like that, that I had talked to at the time of doing this. Um, it was like this project with me and Josh where we wanted to kind of compete with YouTube. Like we want to make a YouTube specifically for technology, um, viewers and audience. And we made the site called techgeek.com, which was dedicated to tutorials for geeks, um, and it was like a really cool thing. It's like one of my favorite things that we built and, and like invested in at the time. Um, it, it, it went live and, and people uploaded videos. It's just like, I didn't keep up with it. I couldn't like keep on putting capital into it at the time. Cause like, I just, you know, couldn't see it going anywhere at the time. Um, but it was, it was really fun. And it, and eventually it was like the seed that led to other things because in, in 2010, um, I, alongside um, people that I had um, met through YouTube, like I mentioned, Josh, who helped me build my first website, and he was kind of like my web or well, my web admin and and coder. Um, alongside other people, like uh, I mentioned, the name of Duncan, he was a YouTuber um, by the name of Mo- or his username was Mobile Phone Two Thousand Three. He was somebody who, at the time I started, was also doing these kind of tech tutorials. You got to understand, like the circle of technology YouTube background was so small that everybody kind of knew everybody. Um, I always like to tell the story of like the number one tech YouTuber right now who is like killing the game by the name of MKBHD or Marquez Brownlee, um, who is like arguably has been called like the best tech YouTuber by like Google CEO and like essentially has a, he has a behemoth of a channel with millions and millions of subscribers, um, was um, somebody who watched my videos back in the day and I watched his, I remember his like first videos and us interacting. We talked a couple of times back in the day. I don't even know if he even remembers it because it was that long ago, but it's crazy to see this trajectory of like where a lot of these people have gone. Um, but I, like I said, alongside Duncan, Josh, um, somebody by the name of Dan and Nuno, or these other YouTubers I had met decided to start this thing called digital dojos. It was an effort to come together and take our past experiences, our, our past talent and, and, and projects that had we had all worked on individually and, and congregate, make this YouTube channel, make this content network. Um, and the idea was technology content for the masses. We wanted to appeal to the nerds and the geeks, but we also want to make tips and tools and videos um, for the everyday user, people who had issues with their computer, their Macs, their PCs. We want to talk about our favorite apps and the things we were using. It was a place for all of us to come in and, and share our expertise in technology and, and talk about it, right? So this was in, like I said, 2010. So this channel goes live. We, we all collaborate. Um, and, and we worked at building this site, this platform. The idea was like a collaborative space for other other people, not just ourselves, to come in and offer their content, offer their videos, give other people kind of like a voice to speak on our platform, um, other creators. And this is, again, 2010, very early on. Um, I was still, of course, running my own personal channel at the time. Um, but Digital Dodos really became that main focus in 2010. It was kind of like where all of my um, creative energy was going. It was where my you know hopes for uh, an actual like business, quote-unquote, was going. Um, and while that flourished in, in its own right, it certainly did, there was just kind of a point where we all hit this kind of wall in the sense that like creatively others had you know wanted to do their own thing 
um, there's just like a lot of direction where like we all were just kind of divulging our own paths as you do at, at the time, right? I'm older here now. I'm, I'm in high school, right? I'm, I'm just getting into high school. Um, these people have things that there's going on in their lives. So everybody kind of goes their own separate ways. Um, but I uh, retained ownership of Digital Dojos in the end, like 2011, 2012. Um, I took over the YouTube channel. I took over the website um, as everybody went on to do their own things. Um, and, and it was a great group of guys, right? Like, I don't regret a second of it. I enjoy all the content that we built. And um, if they're all listening to this, you know, a huge amount of respect to all of those um, gentlemen who helped build my career, right? And, and, and it was, like I said, it was at this time where we were just building things to build things. Um, to give you an idea of how, like, as a content creator, this business works, because I'm, I'm talking about, like, what I did for a living, how I got here. In essence, it's an advertising model, right? We make videos, Google puts ads on these videos, or we, we partner with advertisers to put ads on videos. People click on said advertisements and we get paid a certain rate for those videos. Now that rate fluctuates. It's not always like a click equals one cent. It could be a click equals two cents, 20 cents, 10 cents. There's a fluctuating rate there that has a bunch of variables, but that's the essence of how like advertising in, in Google, what they call AdSense works. We get paid for people watching our videos in the sense that the eyeballs that we're exposing to these advertisers, right? And and this is Google's bread and butter, right? This is what they've perfected. We're serving up relevant ads, what they think you as a viewer may be interested in. I'm sure you're no stranger to this nowadays. Um, so that's how we were making a bulk of our revenue. I mean, furthermore, I sold individual sponsorships. I would go to a company on Digital Dojos. I would say, hey, here's our channel. We make technology content. We do tutorials. We do reviews. Um, and we think our audience essentially um, would benefit your um, product or it would be beneficial to seeing your product. So I would go to companies that I admired, people that um, built great things and, and had, you know, other businesses and I'd say, you know, pay us $500 for a month and we'll put your banner and your website link on our site. Pay us X amount for a week. And, and, and that's the kind of how we got by. We would sell individual sponsorships. We would do content campaigns. So I'd say, hey, I'm doing a three-part video series on X. And I think it relates a lot to your product or your service. I would love for you to come in and sponsor this series. And the idea behind this model, it, it's great in the sense that as far as content creation for my YouTube channel goes, the viewer gets the content for free. Everything I've done, even up to this point, 99.9% .9 of it has always been free. I've charged for a very tiny amount of stuff that I've ever uploaded on the internet. And that's like exclusive content. Um... But I'm proud to say that 99.9% .9 of what I've put out there on the internet is free. And it was like the best quote unquote business model to me because here I was uploading content to my YouTube channel, to Digital Dojos, to the digitaldojos.com website. You as a viewer get to listen to it, get to watch it, whether it was a podcast, whether it was a video, whether it was a blog post, consume it for free. And in doing that, you are making me uh, and the business revenue. As a viewer, just being somebody who clicked on my video, you were contributing in some way because I could sell to advertisers. We have a hundred thousand viewers. That's how we would do it. We we have four hundred thousand, you know, monthly visits is what I would say to an advertiser. For example, um, we have X amount of subscribers. You know, my main channel had seven million views, and, and and that's way I would kind of reach out to advertisers and and how I built this content business. 
Um, so it was a really lucrative business model in that sense. I got to do what I loved. I got to do what I was passionate about. Um, and I got to make a profit off of it, right? Like at the end of the day, as I, as I said, as I've grown in the content business, it became a business for me, right? This thing that started out as a hobby and as passion um, for technology um, did turn into this kind of like point where like, oh, this is what I'm doing for a living. Because as I graduated high school, right, in 2013, as, as that year came up, um, my junior year of high school, um, digital dojos as I took over became my main uh, focus. It was, I was all in, right? And it was making decent amount of revenue by my like junior year of high school, um, where I kind of pretty much knew that like this was going to be what I was doing for quote unquote a living, like content creation. And this is at a, a turning point, right? This is at a point in my life where as a high schooler, you're kind of like forced to make this decision of what do I want to do for the rest of my life? Am I going to go to college and, and, you know, figure out my career? And I knew at this point, like by a junior in high school, I was so checked out of the school system because I was making, um, you know, like I say a decent amount of money. Like I was making, as a business, we, we hit six figures by the time I was a junior in high school, right? So like I already knew this is something people do go to college for and get like a four-year degree or even a bigger degree to to do this in the real world, right? Like why would I spend four more years to get a piece of paper when I, I'm doing what I want to be doing, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be going to college for anyway, like the end result, you go to a good school, you get a good degree, you get a good job, and you make a good living, right? That whole kind of like systematic approach to things. And like, that just wasn't for me. Like I knew that going in I, junior, like I said, I completely checked out, I did the bare minimum to pass my senior year. Um, and, um, by my senior year, I already negotiated with my school so that I was working. I crammed all my credits on my, like, we had an A day, B day, B day schedule. So essentially what I was doing is I was going to school on A days and B days, I was staying at home and working and we called it like career prac. So I still like got my like quote unquote, like credits to graduate high school. Um, but, uh, like I said, 2012, 2013 was this like another transitional point for me, right? where digital dojos was taking off. We were um, doing really well in the content space. We had advertisers. We were fully independent in the sense that like everything I did, another thing I'm proud of is like we didn't take any outside investment, right? We didn't have capital. It started with a $20 investment in, in, in a webcam that I bought, right? Um, at the same time, at this, this, this whole time I've been doing, so this like whole last like six plus years, I was doing content for myself primarily for my YouTube channels. Um, around this time, right into my senior year, I hopped on this platform by the name of Fiverr, and this was due to um, my old colleague Duncan, who I work with, who said that you know what, check out this platform. The idea behind Fiverr is a freelance site. You you offer a service and you get paid five dollars for it, and then you can get increments of that service. So like for ten dollars, for fifteen dollars. I'll also do X, Y, Z. And, and like people were doing all sorts of stuff. People would design a logo for $5. People would, um, you know, make a small video for an advertisement promo for $5. And I saw the opportunity to come in and offer my services as a content creator. I will create a app overview for $5. This is like an iPhone and all that was, again, really kind of at its peak. Um, and as like a big iPhone proponent and Apple-like proponent, I was coming in, I was saying, hey, I'll record a video of your app for one to two minutes for $5. Um, that, they call it gig back then or on Fiverr, blew up. Um, 
quickly i had people from like actual like app developers coming and saying hey um, we want a full feature video we want you to make the like a teaser trailer for our app um because again this is like app mania at the time in, in 2012 2013 um and i quickly learned that i had outgrown this site by the name of fiverr and like I could really take this kind of business to the next level and just, you know, expand upon what I was doing. I was creating content for myself this whole time. And then every now and again, I would create content on YouTube for like an advertiser, right? Like why not just make a business where I was primarily making content for other people. And thus in 2013, ScreenCap was born. Um, ScreenCap was born again out of just pure like necessity. Like I, there's this demand and I wanted to fill it. The idea was let us make the content so you don't have to. So company A would come to us and say, hey, here's our app, here's our whatever, um, here's the product. We want you to make a video explaining what it is, how it works, X, Y, Z, whether that was a you know a series of videos, whether it was a 30 second video, or maybe they wanted like a 10 package video, you know, 10 um, videos in a series explaining how to go through this app, how to do this, how to do that. And we would make it exclusively for them essentially so we would be selling the right they would be paying for the rights of these videos and they would be paying us to create them um i call it screen cap s-c-r-e-e-n-c-a-p-p um for the idea of we were screen capturing applications it was kind of like this play on name which i was very proud of (laughs) at the time still am um mind you digital dojos was a thriving like content business we were doing really well um, but screen cap in the 2013, 2014 year, like me graduating high school, post, post high school, um, I knew I wasn't going to college. I knew I was, I was going to really go all in on this entrepreneur or whatever you want to call it thing. And screen cap took off it in its first year, tripled in revenue, what digital dojos was making and mind you, digital dojos is already doing well. Um, it really taught me valuable lessons of like pricing and, and, and knowing what you're worth. Like it. I was getting paid $5 a video and then I was getting paid $50 a video, $500 a video. You know, you can see how that multiplies as I grew bigger and bigger, as my clients grew bigger. We hit like 80 clients in that summer, like after I started ScreenCap. Um, so it really just took off and, and, and that quickly became my focus. So on one end, I'm split doing content for myself for digital dojos and I have like some writers and some people who contributed now and again to that. And then I had ScreenCap, which was taking more and more of my time, my creative demand. Um, all of this still in the content industry, right? At this point, I have two, quote unquote, you know, what I would quantify as like successful businesses in the sense that they're profiting, right? Um, but again, <laughs> this is another sort of turning point in my life going in from 2013 to 2016. Um, I did a couple big things that are worth noting in, in this time span. Um, in, in post-graduating uh, high school, um, while everybody's like prepping and going to college, I am hunkered down and, and, and I mean like zoned in on making these businesses huge, right? Like scaling these things as much as I can scale them, um, profiting as much as I can. And this is like when I'm like fully in business mode because like school is at this point is irrelevant. It's, it's not a thing. I graduated high school. I did the bare minimum what my parents need me to do. And, and, and despite not that, you know, them wanting me to go to college and get a degree, I knew digital dojos and screen cap was just going to be like the thing. Right. And, and, and the money was there. Um, now I had the time also just to like really, really focus on it. So I go all in right. Um, around the same time, 2011, 2012 
is when I dip into the investing space. Um, investing because at, at this point, like I, you know, I would I would be lying if if I said like businesses and all that wasn't like it was a for profit thing. I, I wanted to build and accrue wealth, right? At this point in my life. I'm infatuated with the idea of like, how do I get from here to here? How do I get from X amount to, you know, 100x that? Um, and and the real way I knew I was going to do that was taking what I was making and, and the money that at, at a time where like, you know, making an income from like age 12 and upwards, you're not spending it on much in the sense of like, I don't have obviously rent. I don't have like these life things to worry about. So I'm just like reinvesting it back into my business. I'm saving it. I'm spending it on, on buying things that make me more money in the long term. So if I look at the trajectory of my career up until this point in the timeline, I was always in the investing space. Investing always interested me, right? It started with this $20 webcam I bought that launched my YouTube channel. And ever since there, I was always just pouring money back into myself. I was investing into the one thing that I knew could, you know, make me more money. And that was me in, in a sense. So in, in 2011, 2012, like this, this time frame, or sorry, 20, yeah, 20, 2013 onwards, um, I get whiff of this thing that's called Bitcoin, right? Um, it's cryptocurrency. And I'm not going to go too into the weeds on this. If you know about it, you know about it. If not, essentially, it's this like fiat currency, right? It's this like thing that is developed um, for so many reasons on, a, on a, an amazing technology called blockchain. Um but while I, I, I really did believe in the core technology behind it and still do, um, back then a lot of people were looking at it also just from the investment standpoint, the asset standpoint of like, I came in around the time where Bitcoin was selling for like $300, $400 a coin roughly. And I remember like people like telling me about it, people in my circle and then saying like, hey, like you should look into this thing and, and buy a couple, right? And like this is a time where like people thought this is ludicrous that it was even worth that much, Right. Um, this imaginary currency that only had value because we were essentially people were, were associating value to it. Um, but I bought in, I, I did my research. I figured, you know, you know, why not? Um, and this is like a real incremental time for like one of the first spikes in Bitcoin. Um, I poured a decent amount of my, um, my savings at the time that I had made from digital dojos and screen cap into this thing. I, I as I did, I went all in, um, you know, as I do with all these things. Um, and again, it was at a time where um, there was a court case at the time. Again, not trying to get too much in the weeds. Essentially, this is around um, a site called the Silk Road and somebody who was persecuted because of this. His assets were seized. And it was the first time the government was acknowledging like this thing that was called Bitcoin in, in cryptocurrency. And if the government was essentially seizing this asset, it was them recognizing it as a currency. It caused that $200, $400, $500 price point to skyrocket to like $2,000. And I quickly um, was on the end result of that. And, and it was the first time I, I saw like what investing my money. Mind you, like I'm no, I'm not trying to give out financial advice here. I'm not saying like do this and you will become rich um, or wealthy. It was very risky. Like this is something that's super volatile, super unknown. And it's easy to say this in hindsight, like, it's easy to say this looking backwards because like I profited off of it, but like at the time it was immensely risky and it was like a very stupid thing to do. Um, I'm just fortunate enough that it came out on the positive end of that. Um, and like, yeah, I got into this whole cryptocurrency space very early on and, and over the years profited off of that, even leading up to two years ago or a couple years ago now when Bitcoin hit $20,000 a coin. 
again, mind you, I was buying in when they were worth like $400 a coin. Um, so that was my first taste of like the investment space, right? Um, now it is 2016 and, um, in all intents and purposes, I am doing more than just like fine. I'm living a life that uh, at the time kind of felt like I was almost cheating the system. I had automated a lot of the things, um, that I needed to do to make revenue, right? My businesses became passive. I was creating content now and again for digital dojos. Um, we had some people contribute every now and again, they would write articles or what have you. Um, screen cap was just getting orders and orders in. it was just like on autopilot. Um, and I would knock out 10, 20 videos a day, <laughs> you know, I was working nonstop. Um, and we were doing really, really well. Screen caps revenue was at an all time high. And yet I still felt like unfulfilled. And, and 2016 is this turning point in my life personally, where I'm like, you know what, this thing that I've been doing now for the last now 10 years, it, it hit a decade at that point, right? Starting in 06 to 2016. Wasn't like where I wanted to be in my life, so to speak. Like, I'm not complaining about the the revenue or the money because like that's all great. By all standards of success, I was exactly where I needed to be and then some, obviously, at that age. Um, but I still just like wasn't all, like I just wasn't there. Like creatively, I was spent um, and I just needed like a, a break. I guess you can say like, burnt out in a sense. Um, and I just, I just wanted to like really plan out what was next, right? Like I knew that there was more to be done. I just didn't know what it was. Um, so I packed up, I, I, I left Okinawa, Japan. I left my home where I grew up, where I went to high school, where I was born. My family was, my parents were there, my like, you know, long-term friends. And I moved to California and, and this was a huge transition for me on, on a personal standpoint, but obviously a career standpoint too, right? I am coming from a small little island in Japan where it's like big fish, tiny ass pond to a guppy in an ocean that is like the States and specifically California. I wasn't accustomed to the States. I, I spent maybe almost two years there, but outside of that, I was raised overseas. So it was, it was a culture shock. It was all these things. It was my gap year, 2016, 2017. I like to call my gap year the same way you would take a year off before you go to college. Um, I told myself I'm going to come to the States and I'm going to, I had the fortunate, like, you know, at this point I was fortunate enough to say like, I can take a year off and not work and not have to worry about anything. Right. Like I don't need to make an income at this point. My businesses have made me enough money where I could live off of that. Um, and like there was passive income that was just coming in residually that I just didn't have to worry about. Um, I packed up, I think it was like a week after my birthday in, in January. Um, and I moved, I left everything behind. Um, I started by moving to Southern California to visit one of my sisters and eventually settled in San Francisco, California, um, the Silicon Valley, the tech capital, you know, of, of the States. Um, and this is where it kind of like, just kind of rested on my laurels for a bit, you know, kind of looked back at the last 10 years of what really made me who I was in my career, um, the ups, the downs, and, and just really needed, um, a minute to kind of reset. Um, I told myself I was going to take a full year. I was naive, right? Uh, within three months, I was itching to do something. I was itching to create. I was itching to get started on something new. Um, and that's like how I knew like entrepreneurship and all that. Like it, it's in me. It's who I am. Um, I, I couldn't just, you know, make a boatload of, of money and just 
retire, so to speak. Like that wasn't who I was. That wasn't what I was going in for. Um, making an impact, making things that mattered were always my number one driver. The money just came as a result of that. Um, and, and I missed that. And I, I didn't know how I wanted to get back into doing that, but like the content did have to take a, a break. when I moved to San Francisco, um, I was looking on Craigslist and I found an ad for, um, a startup by the name of Eden, E-D-E-N in San Francisco that was looking to hire, they were a office management platform. They had just recently pivoted from, um, consumer IT to B2B. So essentially like doing like geek squad stuff at home to doing it for businesses. They would provide cleaning services. They would provide IT services. They would provide handyman services to startups or businesses in the area. So like you think of like the Uber for IT. So when you need IT support for your office, when you need a cleaner for your office, um, you need a TV mounted, speakers mounted, you would essentially contact Eden. They needed somebody who was had a flexible schedule who could do essentially contract IT work, work weekends. And that's exactly what I was like looking for. I was like, here's a way for me to get back to my roots. What got me started breaking and fixing, um, you know, technology, um, products and, and stuff like that. So I signed up, I applied and it's funny cause I had like a resume that had nothing on it because I've been self-employed up to this point. Um, but I got the job and this is a funny story too, because the, the guy who interviewed me, um, we'll get around to that. Um, somebody, uh, you know, interviewed me, I got the job. Um, I was a contractor for them essentially in, in, in providing IT services. And what was started out on weekends quickly like shifted and grew. And like I was doing like Monday through Sunday stuff uh, for Eden, mainly in the IT field. And then this exposed me to startups all over the Bay Area. Like this was crazy because as coming from this kid who was in Japan and, and started this business in technology um, in content creation, I was seeing all the companies I, I was covering. I was seeing the people who actually made the products of things that I was reviewing. It was like crazy to me. I was I was seeing all of these businesses in the Bay Area. And in like the two years that I um, did like work with Eden, I saw so much. Like I, it, it was really an eye-opening experience. It, it, it allowed me to kind of see that side of the business and the entrepreneur side that I hadn't seen yet. Like I had it successful, quote unquote, like small businesses. But like here's companies that were doing it at a 100x level. Here's companies who had millions of dollars in funding. Here's companies who, you know, had hundreds of employees, thousands of employees. And I went to offices like Pinterest and, and, and Scribd. I went to all these different cool companies doing amazing things. And it, it's, it's, you know, it's definitely what I needed. And on top of that, it, it got me back to like hands-on and fixing things and setting up networks and fixing computers it got me back to like the root of things and really kind of like humbled me in a sense um now the the, the great thing about that like i said I, I got all this exposure i met a lot of clients um I, I built rapport with some of these companies and these startups you know that i would go to on a frequent basis um or would kind of like request me back or you know need um, my services um I also met people through Eden. I met, you know, the the, the person who in, yeah, interviewed me and, and the lead IT at Eden at the time is is funny because um, after like kind of like the two years at Eden that I spent, um, as they pivoted as like a lot of startups do and, and their platform kind of changed from using like in-house um, providers to using vendors essentially to staff like IT jobs and stuff like that. Um, it was another transitional period for me. Like I, I took this break from doing a lot of this content in like the 2017, 2018 year and, and really just kind of, you know, focused on, on 
this in Eden and in my investments at the time, um, I was cruising, right? Like if I'm being honest, I knew I had a secured income. I knew I had savings. Um, I knew digital dojos would make me like passive income. Um, uh, in 2017 is when I like really stopped doing the screen cap videos. Like I just told my clients, Hey, I'm sorry, but like, this isn't what I'm like interested in right now. This is not where I'm, I'm, I'm creatively at. This is not where, and it's like, I'm not, I'm not doing them a service in a sense because like I'm, I'm not all there in, in, into this space right now. So, uh, 2017, I, I shut down screen cap. I take a break from digital dojos. Um, and then I also have like the, the income and, and everything I'm doing at Eden as like a, a side hustle, even though I'm doing like 30 plus hours at, at Eden. Right. Um, it was just this kind of cruising moment for me. Right. Um, but because of that, uh, you know, as I'm finding out like what's really next for me, um, this kind of like, like I said, like this, what do I want to do next? What's the next big move? I'm also looking at like, what do I want to do to build long-term wealth, right? Like I'm getting back and I'd always been dabbling in the investment space, like I said, but like crypto really blew off in like 2017, 2018 year. Um, like, I mean, when I say that, it, literally scaled to $20,000 a coin. Um, so that's when I like do this side, um, kind of not necessarily product, I say side project, but it's literally what is my <laughs> main income. And that is ASC capital. Um, it's, it's what I use to invest my portfolio, not just in the stock market and stuff like that, but like is essentially like it was my idea to build and share my insights into my investments and, and kind of share my strategies and, and, and my beliefs and, and xyz um in the investments were it was the idea was behind it is a transparent like portfolio right like here's what we're investing in here's where i'm putting my money my personal money and like my actual um my dollars into uh causes i believe in startups i believe in in, in xyz because uh ultimately i, I want to put back into that community that got me my start right um and, and like I said, crypto just happened to be the main focus of that because it was at such a big point at that time. Um, so like I'm setting up the infrastructure for that. I'm trying to figure out like what's the thing I can put my money into that, you know, secures generational wealth and, and, and all of these things. Um, a lot of that's going on behind the scenes in the 2017, 2018 year. Um, and like I said, at the tail end of all of this, uh, as Eden switches to uh, vendors, um, I plan on just taking the existing relationships I had built with my clients at the time in, in my time at Eden and um, offering IT services. Another thing I wanted to invest my time and resources into was an IT business, right? Um, and it just so coincided that the former lead at Eden and myself, who had become friends and eventually roommates to this day, um, decided to go into business together, right? Um, so we become a vendor under Eden in a partnership with Eden, um, and, uh, built up network, right. And that same also person who interviewed me at Eden in the beginning, um, also joined us. So the three of us become partners at a, um, I guess you would call it like a, almost a managed service provider and MSP is what network right is. Uh, we service it companies, startups, etc., small, medium, large businesses, um, across the Bay area in, 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 in California and remotely in offices like Chicago and the East coast in New York, etc. Um, so we offer it services to those companies, those startups. So think of a company who may not have like, or need to hire necessarily a full-time it guy in the beginning. Um, we supplement that. Um, we, we provide on site and on staff, 
um, providers. We, we do remote support. We do network infrastructure setups. All of these things um, that I had spent doing two years at Eden on, on the side, um, really implementing that and, and, and putting that all in here at Network Right. So that literally brings me to 2018, 2019. Um, Network Right, this is our first year in business. Um, I stepped away from the content space. I stepped away from all these things like YouTube for quite a while. And this thing that I went into partnership with, with my colleagues and my friends, um, is where now my time and, and attention was really is really focused on. Uh, I mean, it's, it's where I spend majority of my days uh, building relationships and, and servicing the clients um, that I have had over the last couple of years um, and, and just growing this business, right, and, and, and interacting with new startups and so on and so forth. And that's where I'm at today. So today, as far as what I do for a living, right, like it, it isn't one specific thing is what I'm trying to get at. You can get from this hour-long conversation and this hour-long podcast is that I strive to be a mogul, right? I think entrepreneurship and all these things, it, it's not fitting yourself into one box. And you can see over the many years, I've done many different things. I've worn many different hats. Um, I have made a lot of from this, you know, like I, I, I've, I've profited. I'm not complaining, I, but moreover, I've learned a lot because I've failed a lot. I've lost a lot of capital in this. Um, I dabbled in things that I shouldn't probably have dabbled in, in the sense that like, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and I learned because of that and, and not just money. Like, it's not like I just lost capital that I invested time resources and, 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 um, you know, certain things along the way. Um, but it was all a part of this journey, right? Like I, I had to lose my YouTube partnership back in 09, 2010 to start digital dojos, to, 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 to eventually build screen cap, to eventually come to the States and, 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 you know, eventually build this thing that we're building now, which is network, right? Um, nowadays, it, it, you know, what I do for a living is, is an assortment of things in the sense that yes, I have multiple revenue streams. I have multiple income streams. Um, I've just recently got back into the content space on the side, rebuilding digital dojos and building that platform. And, and because I, I do have a passion for technology. I mean, even at network, right, our core business is in the it field. Um, even though that's where I spend a majority of my focus on building that managed service provider business, um, I can still do things for digital dojos. I can still build out that framework and I don't want to let down that audience I've built over, you know, the last decade. Um, so I'm learning how to better craft and tell quality um, stories th through through that platform and, and, and you know, things like YouTube and, and this podcast and so on. Um, so I have my content business, which more and more I'm looking to, you know, focus on, on the key things that matter right like but when it comes to content i've taken breaks over the last couple years like like i mentioned um i'm looking at how I, I can do it in the right way how i can dedicate the right amount of time um and, and resources and just like the creatively speaking how i can be fulfilled um i, I i've done it for you know a living i've done it for pure passion and, and, and for the love of the game in the sense. Um, but, you know, maintaining that, um, that passion and, and always ensuring that I'm doing it because I enjoy doing it. Right. Um, whereas there was a point in time, like I mentioned earlier, where I was doing it purely because like it became, it became 
this thing that was way bigger than me, right? Like it, it became a huge business and responsibility. Um, I was, I was paying people. I had writers. I had people that were helping me build these, um, projects and sites that it, it became something that I never expected it to become ultimately. Right. So, you know, trying trying to do that justice on on, on all levels and, and and get back into that in a sense. So that that's one aspect of what I do nowadays. Yes, I I create content online, um, and and I also am looking just to structure those passively, right? Like essentially structure these businesses so that I'm making money in my sleep. Um, I, I'm I'm making money um, as I focus on other things and. and that gets back and kind of full circle into the whole investment space, right? Investing my time now so that I profit off of it in the long run. I have network right. Um, and like I said, at ASC Capital, as far as like my investments, um, above all, what makes me a majority of my, so to speak, revenue nowadays um, is not necessarily like, if we're talking income, Obviously, my, my focus here now is at network, right? Um, but like end end of year, like for example, I just did taxes. It, it's my capital gains. It's my investments. Nowadays, it's it's taking that decade worth of experience. It's taking that decade of of time and resources that I, I you know I put into building those businesses and investing it into other spaces, investing it into things I believe in, whether that's certain companies and stock markets or things like a little bit more volatile like cryptocurrency. XYZ. I, I can do a whole other podcast diving into my investment portfolio strategies, beliefs um, for another time. Um, but that's a lot of nowadays what I do for a living, right? Like I, I have my investments, I manage those um, in a sense passively, right? Like I, I'm not, I'm not a day trader in the sense like I'm not sitting here at my desk buy, sell, you know, buy, sell, uh, market, open, market, close. No, it's not like that at all. It's more like um, effectively trying to put my eggs in, in different baskets and then have those generate me income over the long run. Um, and, and, and setting up structures and stuff and, and working with really smart people uh, along the way to do that. Um, and then, like I said, and, and outside of that, it is building this new business that is network right and, and trying to see where we can get that at scale and growth. Um, and I get to build it with um, some great friends and, and really amazing people. Um, and moreover, I get to build that with really great relationships that I have with my clients now um, and, 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 you know, getting to allow them uh, to do their best work by ensuring that we do ours on the, on the IT end, right? And mind you, this is, I can't speak on the behalf of my two partners who I work with, my two colleagues. Um, but for me, with Network Right, when, when we have the dialogue and the conversation about this um, as a business, um, I believe in scale, right? I, I do eventually want to build um, a, a big business in the sense, um, you know, coming from the online world and, and coming from these online ventures and projects, um, building something that, you know, the internet allowed me to have a global audience, of course, but building a business in something that is, uh, global and maybe that means international at some point. I don't know, right? Like it's so early to tell with network, right? I I can't, you know, speak in certainties. 
Um, but as of right now, what I do for a living is, is scaling and, and building this business, this IT um, managed service provider. So right now, a lot of that means going on site and, and meeting with my clients and, and providing my IT services on site, hands on for a lot of my, you know, major accounts right now. Um, it, it's about scaling and bringing on new accounts. It's about providing services to the remote offices in Southern California, in Chicago, New York, Boston, you know, Florida, XYZ, you name it. Um, it, it is uh, looking at the landscape of startups and in kind of seeing the trajectory of where they will be in the upcoming years. Moreover, how we can innovate in the space of IT and managed service providing so that we can offer the best solutions, whether a company is 50 people. I have clients who are like 50 people. I have clients who are 10 people, 20 people. I have clients who have 500 plus people in their offices and, and have global offices. So, you know, it, it's it's about doing that um, and, and providing the best services that we can. Um, ultimately, you know, right now, a lot of it is hands-on and, and eventually that's going to mean for me, like, um, playing more of an admin role and, and stepping back alongside my partners. Like I said, I, I can't speak uh, on their behalf. It's just where I see the future of network, right? Growing is, is being in these different offices and, and building off of that framework of, you know, a lot of what I've learned from my past experiences. Um, so yeah, <laughs> an hour that I kind of gives the full scope of everything that I have done that I do. Um, I started out in content creation. Uh, I still create content. I mean, the podcast is an, an example of this. That's never going to change whether I'm making $100,000 or $1 or no dollars doing it. I, I, I'm going to, in some capacity, make content, whether YouTube is around, whether it's not, whether it's in podcast form or blog form, right? Um, I'm always going to do those things, right? That's just who I am. I have that constant itch to be building and to be creating regardless of the results. It's just who I am and it's what feeds my soul, so to speak. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how in any other way to put it, right? I started out as a quote unquote YouTuber and there's like all these misconceptions that I've heard over the years that like YouTube is, I'm a YouTuber, that's where I make a living. I stopped literally making like a full-time, when I say a living, that I define living as like if it pays um, the bills, right? It's like the main source of income. Um, and YouTube hasn't been that YouTube in 2008 to 2009, for sure. That was like what my main income was off of even into 2010 into 2011. Um, that's where my main income was coming was primarily from content I was uploading on YouTube, but for a long time it has not, YouTube has not been the number one source of my income. If anything, like I said, it was a funnel. It was a thing where I got my viewers and in, and I directed them to things like digitaldojos.com. I directed them to the other projects and other places I was at. Um, I'll forever, ever be grateful to YouTube. It's what I owe my success to now nowadays because it was the springboard that got me to where I'm at. Um, but like I said, I, I'm not one to contain myself to one box. I'm not just going to be defined as a YouTuber. Um, I'm not going to be defined even to just technology content. Nowadays, like I said... Um, I am working on multiple projects. I have things going on behind the scenes, things I'm putting my time and money into um, outside of even technology. I have other interests in things that I want to pursue, lifestyle, fashion, things of that 
that nature. And like I said, I just want to do them justice. When I do these things, I want to do them right. And I want to go all in. Like I said, throughout this podcast, that's who I am. That's how I operate. Um, and above all, yeah, it's just, it's, it's putting back into the things that made me who I am. It's putting my time, my resources into things I believe in. And, and, and ultimately, like I said, as with all the content I've done, it's trying to make the best and biggest impact I can in this lifetime. Um, in whatever capacity, whatever medium, uh, comes my way, I will always be creating something at some level or another, whether it is businesses, whether it is videos or words on a screen. Anyhow, ladies and gentlemen, that is what I do and have done for a living. I make shit. (laughs) I create things online. Um, Yeah, I upload things to this thing called the internet. Thanks for listening.